The scripture reading for today comes from Matthew 6, verses 19 to 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither wrath nor moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks to be God. Well, good morning. Uh, it's not morning, actually. I say good morning whenever I preach, but uh, I guess I can't say that here. It's afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, it's great to be at The Way. My name's Dan Myers, and I'm the pastor of New Creation Church in Burbank, and Tim is such a dear friend, and uh, he's come over and preached, and uh, he helped uh, ordain our elders there, and so it's, uh, it's wonderful to just have the the family with you guys and the partnership with you guys. So appreciate you, it's great to be here today. I wanna to start off by uh, just asking a question. What do you value most? What do you value most? Another way we could ask a question is uh, even a little bit stronger, what do you live for? What do you live for? Well, Jesus, as he preached the Sermon on the Mount, gives us really two options to that question, to those questions. Uh, he says, one, we can live for God. He can be our treasure. Our treasure can be in heaven. Or, a second path, anything else. Treasures on earth. And so when we talk about treasure, it's not just money that we're talking about. We don't want to limit it to that, but uh, treasure is really anything that we value. And what is our relationship to those things? What's our relationship to the things that we value? Let's take a look at verse 19, the first part of 19 here. And we're going to talk about kind of these three areas, the two treasures, the two goals, and the two lords that Jesus uh, sets up for us. So this first part, do not lay up treasure, uh, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Okay, so uh, let's talk about what Jesus is not banning here. He is not, uh, he's not banning uh, possessions. He's not banning property. He is not banning savings. He is not banning enjoyment of his good gifts either. He's not banning any of those things. Jesus is saying, don't make any of those things your ultimate things. He's saying, don't live for selfish accumulation of those things. Don't have a selfish ambition. He's speaking against materialism here. And when we live for material things, 
Uh, what happens is it can turn us cold to the needs of the rest of the world. This is what happens uh, often in uh, suburban communities. We have these enclaves of, of beauty and safety, and they're good, and we enjoy them, but it kind of closes us off to the needs of the rest of the world, and it makes us cold to those. And so Jesus says, don't store up, don't lay up treasures on earth. And it would be enough for him to just leave it at that, right? Don't do it. But he actually engages our mind with that. He says, I'm going to tell you why. Here's, here's the logic. So it's not check your brain at the door. Think through this. Why is it not good to do that? Let's take a look at the second part of verse 19. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Okay. What Jesus is telling us is this, that the things of this world, they do not last. And nothing in this world ultimately satisfies. And so Jesus gives us three kind of categories of that. He talks about the moth. The moth is an example of the way that nature corrupts, how it, a moth can eat through things as well. Think about just the corruption of nature. If you go and pick a beautiful flower, the second you pick it, that flower is dying, and you will have to throw it away at some point. Such is everything in this world. Rust is the corruption of time. Let me ask a question. Who of you, you can just show of hands, is still super excited about that uh, iPhone 5 you got like six years ago? Right? Nobody, of course, right? Because with time, things just decay. They rust. So there's the decay of, of nature, there's the decay of time, and there's the decay of people, moral decay. Even things that are not attacked by moth and rust uh, are stolen, thievery. People come in and steal those things. And so don't store up treasures on earth because they will decay. They will pass away. And so the problem at the heart here is that you can't buy happiness. You can't buy contentment. There's a, a great quote that I love. Uh, Wealth is like seawater. The more we drink, the thirstier we become. I saw a, uh, a quote this week by uh, John Rockefeller, uh, one of the richest Americans ever to live, right? And he was asked once, how much is enough? So this guy that has more money than anybody, how much is enough? And his answer was, just a little more, right? Wealth doesn't satisfy. Material things don't satisfy. 
And so what Jesus is doing here is he is working at our hearts to try to get us to understand our relationship to God and to the treasure in heaven, which is God. And if we understand who we are under God, then we'll begin to have a right view of our things and our relationship to those things. Uh, One of my favorite authors, Martin Lloyd-Jones, talks about this, and he says, I'm not the possessor of things. I merely have them on lease. They don't really belong to me. I cannot take my wealth with me. I cannot take my gifts with me. I am but a custodian of these things. And at once, the great question, it rises. How can I use all these things to the glory of God? And so if we see that we don't own the things of this world, that they belong to him, and that they're gifts to us, it brings the question, okay, how can I use it for him? How can I glorify him with my things? And that leads us to this this kind of second path. So we can invest in the treasures of earth, which will fade away, which will decay, or we can store up our treasure in heaven. Let's take a look at verse 20. So Jesus says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. This passage is part of Jesus' sermon on the mount. And one of the things that he's been doing as he's been working through this sermon is talking about the place where we first encounter God, that it is in the deep chambers of our heart. It is a personal place where we experience him. When we experience him there, then he's able to reveal himself to us in the rest of the cosmos. And so as we look at uh, the heart, we see that uh, as we meet God there, we can live in communion with God, And when living in communion with God, our lives are joined with him in heaven. And so that means that our lives, our actions have eternal value. They will last because they are with the God who is eternal. And so that means that if we store up those treasures in heaven, they can never be destroyed. They can never rot. They can never be stolen. Now you might ask, okay, so what exactly are the heavenly treasures? Uh, One definition that I really like is a heavenly treasure is any activity whose effects last for eternity. Now, I want to give us another idea of what these treasures in heaven are not. They are not a uh, system of merits that we, we earn up and then we can grant entrance into heaven because we've, we've merited up all the stuff we need. That's not what they are, right? That would go completely against the gospel of grace throughout the scriptures. So they're, they're not merits to get us to salvation, Therefore, those already saved. So, actions, 
whose effects last in eternity. Here's one for you, forgiveness. Forgiving others. That is an activity that lasts into eternity. What is eternity? It is us reconciled with God and with one another forever. And so when we participate in forgiveness, we are doing eternal activity. That is storing up treasure that will last for eternity. Forgiveness. Here's another one, hospitality. When we build relationships for God's kingdom, that has eternal consequences. Beautiful eternal consequences. And I would ask you, do you have, or I would encourage you even, to put a line item in your monthly budget for kingdom friendships? Maybe it's 20 bucks, maybe it's 100 bucks that I could set aside and go, you know, I'm going to build a friendship with someone who doesn't know Jesus. And so maybe I'll use that money to take them out for coffee, to take them out for dinner, maybe to help them with a repair they need, something to build a friendship. Because when you build a friendship with someone who doesn't know Jesus, they enter into a journey with Jesus, whether they even realize it or not. That has eternal value, and that is storing up treasure in heaven, in what is eternal. Generosity, tithing, these are also eternal activities. When we extend God's kingdom to those in need with our time, with our talents, with our treasures, it has an eternal significance. When we give to the church and we continue the ministry of the church that the word of God can be preached, we are investing in activity that has eternal significance. That is to store our treasure in heaven. Mission. You guys are so great on this. I love even just hearing things in the announcements, right? And so when we extend the kingdom into our city and uh, throughout the world, we are participating in kingdom activity, in eternal activity. That is storing up treasure in heaven. And so I'll ask you, how much of your treasure is focused in these areas? Where can you grow in, uh, in these areas? Maybe think about that a little bit this week. And so the way that, that we approach our money, the way that we approach our possessions is directly connected to our relationship with God. So to have treasure in heaven is actually to have life with him now. It's not this future thing, oh, if I participate in this, then there's this carrot all the way at the end and I'll, and I'll get that. No, it's now. We actually get to experience him now. Our treasure that is in heaven, we get to participate and experience now. For God is the ultimate one. He is the one to live for. He is the one to live with, both now and forever. And so you have a choice here. 
Where are you going to invest? Treasures on earth or treasures in heaven? Let's take a look at what verse 21 says. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We have two paths and one choice. And the path we choose is first marked by our treasure, who we live for. All right, the next piece that Jesus moves into is, is our goal, our direction. He kind of gives us two options again here. So let's take a look at, uh, at verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. All right, did that just feel like kind of a left turn? Like, Jesus, did you lose your train of thought there? Where are you going with this uh, light and the body? Well, he's using a metaphor here. Let's, let's unpack it a little bit. It can sound a little strange at first. But consider this, that what he's talking about here, the eye represents our direction. <clears throat> it represents our goals. What is the eye focused on? on. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then the body is a metaphor for your life, for our lives. So look at it in that light. The goal is the lamp of the life. So if your goal is healthy, your whole life will be filled with light. So we have one path. It is a healthy eye, an eye that can see light, that is focused on what is light. And what is light? God is light. God is the light of truth. Jesus is the light incarnate. And so the question here, as Jesus poses it, is asking about himself. Can you see me? Can you see Jesus, light incarnate? Only he can heal your eyes to see him clearly. And so a healthy eye is one that can see light. An unhealthy eye is what? It's blind. And so if you are living lives in communion with God, then your eye will seek out, it will direct what your heart wants. There's the healthy eye. Then we have kind of the other option, the unhealthy eye, the blind eye living in darkness. Let's take a look at verse 23. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Okay, so kind of, again, put it through that metaphor filter. If your, uh, your goal, your direction is bad, your whole life will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great the darkness. So if my direction, if my goals are healthy, my life will be full of God. It'll be full of his heart, his truth, and his love. But if my direction 
is unhealthy, then I will be guided in darkness. And Jesus is telling us here, if you don't realize you're blind to his truth, blind to him, he says, oh, how great is your darkness. I want to suggest something. It's possible that we talk of God, that we say we believe in God on occasion, we go to worship God, but in the end, we're just living for the things of this world. And guess what? This is the constant pull of the fallen human heart. It's to switch direction. I'm going this way and I get pulled this way. And this is why Jesus brings it up. Not because it's possible, but because it happens to all of us. So this morning, if you feel convicted on this, the good news is that that is a sign that the light of God is directing you. The danger is this, when we read this stuff and we don't feel convicted, how great a darkness is that? And what these statements do is they bring us back to the very beginning of where Jesus started in the sermon. It's with the blessed statements. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who mourn. And so when we're convicted by these things, we're in this place of blessing. Oh, I feel poor in spirit when I read this text. I'm hungering for more righteousness in my life. I'm mourning my own sin. Jesus says, when you start there, you are in the blessed place because you are moving toward me. And so throughout his whole sermon, Jesus keeps cycling us back to the beginning. Every time we feel convicted, it's like, oh yeah, that's right. That's where I'm supposed to be. That's where I will encounter him, is in that place. Our goals in life, our direction is very revealing. I heard it put this way once, ask a person their goals and you will find their gods. Our goals reveal what is most important to us. What is most important is the place we worship. It's the place we put our worth. And so, what are yours? What are the things that occupy your thoughts? And here's the thing, we can have noble goals, we can have good goals, but if they are not tied in relationship to God, guess what? Ultimately, we are going to be disappointed every single time, unsatisfied every single time. And so just to kind of summarize this section here, everything our body does is connected to our eyes, right? So my body moves and acts based on what I can see. And in the same way, our, our goals, our ambition 
where we fix our eyes affects the entirety of our lives. Now, if we can see spiritually, that is, see God's direction, see his word, see his promises, follow him, our lives will be filled with beautiful purpose. But on the other side, if our eye, our direction, our goals uh, is fixed on earthly treasure, on materialism, our vision will be so clouded that we will lose our sense of even moral values we can't see. And so Jesus has shown to us a choice between two treasures, storing up earthly treasure which will not last or storing up heavenly treasure which can never be destroyed. He has showed us two paths in competing directions marked by where we fix our eyes. And lastly, he shows us these two paths, the choice between two different masters, two different lords. Let's take a look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Uh, there's a new show uh, called Severed. It's a kind of sci-fi fantasy show. And the concept of the show is that there's this company that will install this thing in the middle of your brain and sever you as a person so that you have a work person and then you have an after work person. And so the work person only knows their work life. They know nothing of what happens outside of work. They don't know if they have a family, if they're married, they don't know their hobbies, nothing. And they go to work each day and when they leave, that part of their brain is shut off until they come back in tomorrow. And the exact same thing happens after work. So your after work person doesn't know anything about work, doesn't know anything that you do there, right? And so what it is is, is these kind of two masters trying uh, for loyalty at the same time, trying to divide a person. And as the show progresses, you see that you really can't divide a person that way, that the things from one side start to spill over into the other. But I think it's very similar to how we maybe even sever ourselves sometimes, right? And so there can be the Sunday morning version of us that's severed so different from the Monday version, right? There's the community group version of us that maybe looks very different than the Friday, Saturday night version of us. And Jesus, who has created us, says this, you can't sever yourself. You can't divide yourself. You can't have loyalties to two different masters. It's not possible. But the problem is we want to embrace all the possibilities of 
experience. We want to cling to lasting beauty of spiritual things without letting go to our addictions to physical and emotional desires. We want virtue and vice, prayer and profit, heaven and hell. Yet the one who made us knows better than we know ourselves. Jesus, the light of the world, says you can't do it. You can't serve two masters. And what's amazing here is he's telling us you are actually made to serve. That is how we are created. We are created servants. It's built in. And so the question becomes, we can serve God or something else, but we're going to serve no matter what. It's not an if, but it's a who. And so we can serve God or we can serve the idols that we create in this world. What are those? Success, fame, appearance, status, wealth. But here's the problem. All of those things, when you serve those, they will make you die for them. They will make you give your life for them. The way that Jesus talks about it is uh, uh, the word in the original language in Aramaic is mammon. He says you can serve mammon, which in our text is translated money, or God, but you can't serve them both. Mammon is this uh, personified, almost pagan God as he presents it. And so it's not just money. It's uh, possessions. It's property. Uh, We can really call it things, money, success, gain. But all of these will demand everything for you. And Jesus says, if you give your life to these things, guess what? They won't last and they won't satisfy you. Or you can serve God. And here's the gospel, my friends, is that Jesus is the only one who will die for you. Every other idol we create, you have to die for it, but Jesus will die for you. God the Father sent his son to die for us so that we could live so that we could live eternally with him, so that we could be satisfied. And so serving God is freedom from the demands of this world and its treasure. Serving God allows me then to enjoy the good gifts without them defining me. Serving God comes with eternal satisfaction and joy. In making him the greatest thing in our lives, we actually become more human. We become more healed. We become more known. We become more loved. And we get a greater purpose. And most of all, we get him. We get God, the only treasure that can satisfy the longing of every heart. And so Jesus says, you must choose. 
It's an intentional choice. If we don't decide, we've actually already chosen the lesser. And it has to be a daily choice. We must say, help me, Lord, seek the treasure that is imperishable. Let my eye be focused on you, your kingdom. We have to say daily when we wake up, Lord, today I serve you. Not the things of this world. Not the promises of this world. And the second you get out of bed and you get uh, in the car and you start driving, you are bombarded with billboards everywhere, right? That make all kinds of promises that are lies that will never satisfy. And so we've got to begin each day, Lord, you are my treasure. I'm going to store up my treasure with you in heaven. And the amazing thing is this, when we choose that path to serve God, his kingdom, his treasure, he actually works in us these things. He makes us more like Jesus. He doesn't just leave us on our own and go, all right, good luck. He says, I am going to work in you and through you. We get God. We get his people. We get his purpose and we get his dynamic power. So church family, Choose this day who you will serve. There's an obvious choice. Jesus tells us. It is him. Come and follow him. Amen? Let's pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks this, uh, this day for, uh, for your word. We give you thanks uh, for the hard words that we've heard today. Uh, for the challenge that we've heard today. But Lord, thank you for the gospel that you don't leave us alone, that uh, you reveal the choice to us, that you call us to it. And so, Lord, help us to live this out. We cannot do it on our own. We come to you poor in spirit. We come to you hungering and thirsting for righteousness, mourning our sin, and you've told us that we are blessed when we do that, because that is the place that we encounter you. That is the place that we encounter what you have accomplished on our behalf. And so, Lord, we give you thanks for that. And so, Lord, help us to store up heavenly treasure that will never be destroyed. Help us to fix our eyes upon you. Help us to choose you each day that we would serve you, your kingdom. Help us to do it as we scatter and help us to do it as we gather together. And so, Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ and through the power of your spirit. Amen.